You're listening to the Bass Lessons Melbourne podcast, episode 29, Claire Cross. How you doing? Um, Craig here from Base Lessons Melbourne, and I'm joined today by Claire Coggins Eagle Cross hey. for our player profile video. So, it's awesome to have you around, Claire. We've been trying to make this happen for a while. We have. But then going away and sickness and yep. general life and stuff life gets got in the way. way. That's alright. We're here and it's happening. Yep. So, um, obviously, you're a bass player, mm-hmm. but um, can you tell us a little bit about how that happened? Um, so I've been playing music since I was in like grade three or something of some sort. So yeah, right. I did like a concert band on tenor horn for three or four years. Tenor horn was like your... It, it was like my first proper <laughs> instrument and I was really small and tenor horns aren't that big. They're like, you know, it's big, but I was really small. So it looked like a tuber on me, which was quite funny. <laughs> and, uh, and it wasn't necessarily what I wanted to play, but I just Oh, so you mean actually like tenor horn, not a, not a tenor horn, not like a tenor saxophone. No, I wanted to play tenor right. saxophone and I was given a tenor horn. So <laughs> I got the short end of the stick a little bit, but that was like the start of things. And then I played piano and had piano lessons and- Is tenor um, horn an alto clef or? It, no, it's 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 pretty much like an tenor, alto saxophone, like an alto saxophone, yeah. pretty much. Just sense. like a mini euphonium. That's a silly question. Reads any flat. Right. FYI, if you ever need to- Grade three, so- Score for tenor horn. How old is that like? Eight. Nine, yeah. Seemed quite. Was that hard? Was it hard? Uh, I was just really enthusiastic, so <laughs> I could have been totally bad at it, but it was good. Like it was fun. I just wanted to play music right. of any kind. So as an escape or no, just you really just, like. I music? was just one of those kids who was just like you know I stole my brother's recorder and taught myself how to read music. Actually, like yeah, right. just sat down with like a book and. Was like that's a B, okay, play the B, and you know went through the whole book and just drove everyone insane with recorder books. Really, recorder songs. Such a pleasant instrument to have a, a seven year old playing. <laughs> I was like recorder nerd of my school. Like I was like, oh, there's a bass recorder. Yeah, I'll play that one too. And Did oh, you have, like, there's recorder like posters. <laughs> it was just the thing I could get my hands on, and then. Yeah, and then I got to play in like this concert band and that sort of furthered my music education a bit. And I always like, there was a piano in the classroom, so I was always tinkering around that. And then my parents bought me like a keyboard. So I teach myself like from the keyboard book and, you know, fair release, I get my brother to write the bass notes in the bass part on the piano because I couldn't read bass. Yeah, I was like, I don't know what that is. Figure that out for me. And uh, stuff like that. And then um, when I got to early high school, I... Like, I'd always wanted to play saxophone, so I got an alto saxophone. I was getting lessons, and I was really... I think I was doing well at it. Like, I was just really enthusiastic again. Yeah. Like, enthusiasm seems to go a long way when you're starting out. Absolutely. Um, and then my saxophone... There's a story, but I don't want to, I don't want to tell it. But my, anyway, short, short stories. My <laughs> saxophone got lost and stolen, so I stopped playing saxophone. And um, <laughs> <laughs> I was left instrumentless. And there were a couple of years where I was just kind of playing on my own, like on keyboard and stuff. Um, and then when I got to VCE, I wanted to do VCE music at school I'd, I'd moved to. And they were like, well, you need to play an instrument. <laughs> and I was like, oh. Recorder? <laughs> yeah, recorder. I'm really good at recorder. And, uh, and I was like, I wanted to do saxophone. And I was, someone else is playing saxophone. Maybe do you want, like, because they've already been playing a while, maybe you want to pick something that someone else isn't playing kind of thing. I was like, oh, I'll do bass. That seems good. Sure. Really? They tried to talk me into euphonium. They're like, you're a natural. I'm like, yeah, well, I did play tenor horn for like four years. It's kind of the same thing, you know. Legendary. Hilarious. I'm like, yeah, euphonium player gets all the gigs. Yeah. No. Wow. Yeah, no, that was not going to happen. Yeah, I'll play bass. I uh, play bass. And my brother already played bass, so. Okay. That was kind of like, I'd always looked up to him and stuff and really thought they were cool and 
So yeah, so I just kind of picked it up and then it's been with me since I was 16. So, yeah, right. Yeah. Picked up and realized, actually, this is quite easy. No. No? <laughs> actually, that's really interesting because, um, except for piano, piano, but piano is like its own beast, I guess, but all the instruments I'd played up until that point had been instruments where you, you're always in position. So saxophone, you just kind of, it was all about breathing and tone you didn't have to production. Actually... You didn't have to move. Yeah, all the yeah, and combinations. And everything, yeah, exactly. And then on piano, everything's kind of laid out for you and it's always the same. There's only one C. Order, exactly. Um, so getting to bass was like, do you know, because there was the, phys there was the yeah. physicality of it and two hands doing two different things. <laughs> they have to coordinate. <laughs> and, you know, getting a pink, getting your pinky going like that took a long time. And yep. just, yeah, just the whole physicality of it was completely foreign and new to me. And Yeah. Um, but yes, again, yeah. like enthusiasm goes a long way. So Absolutely. by the end of VC, I was kind of, you know, doing well enough to do like quite well in my class. And, and aside from that, like my music. So was that like two, two years, three years? Two years, two yeah. Years. My musicality at that point was kind of, for that level, for that age, was fairly good. Like, my oral skills at that point were yeah. quite, like, very, I felt very confident in that stuff. So that kind of carried me through. Uh, yeah, and then I went on and studied music. So what kind, what kind of music were you, like, into when you were doing a BCE? Um, I remember listening to, actually, this is really quite topical, I guess. Um, I was listening to Steely Dan. Right. A lot. Like, okay. my dad had a really cool CD collection growing up. Like, I feel like that's been pretty influential on me. Yeah. So, he had, he had this great selection of CDs, like, from ABBA to ACDC to Black Sabbath, Deep Purple, Led Zeppelin, Steely Dan, Blondie. Like, okay. yeah, and, yeah. And some weird stuff like um, Tubular Bells. Tubular Bells, <laughs> yeah. You know. That gets um, pretty crazy. Jethro Tull. Yeah, so he kind of had a nice super tramp, like a really great selection, like solid stuff. That's just some stuff that comes to mind. But he had yeah. he had hundreds of CDs, I think, and um, so I was always sort of stealing his CDs and being like, oh, I remember hearing that when I was a kid in the car. And you know how when you hear something when you're young, it kind of just becomes sort of maybe a part of you or something weird yeah. like that. So yeah. like I've had these moments growing up where the radio would be on and a song would come on, and I'd be like whoa, like this... Because like, your imagination is so much more you just, involved. Well, you just feel like... I would just, like, feel like, oh, my God, I, this song's, like, a part of me. I know this. Like, I know this intimately, but I have no idea who it is. I couldn't name it. Mm. You know, like, I had that happen to me with, like, a Tears for Fears song. Um, that That's the track of songs from the big chair. What's it called? Everybody Wants to Rule the World, right? So, obviously, my dad had played that a lot when I was really young, and I had didn't know the names of anything or what anything was. And then I was like, you know, a teenager and that came on and I was like, oh my God, like this is incredible. So I kept having those moments. And so by the time I got to year 12, I was listening to, you know, Steely Dan and Tears of Fears. And I went through like a fair phase when I was in high school of listening to like a lot of 80s music. So I have like four Duran Duran albums. Okay. And <laughs> Spandau Ballet and that sort of stuff. So some pretty, yeah, like some pretty weird stuff. But, okay. Um, so, because yeah. normally a lot of time in high school, or when that age, you know, music's, you've got your group of friends, and yeah. you're all kind of checking out the same band and stuff like that. Were you kind of cutting your own path? Yeah, I didn't really have, I guess, like, I moved around a lot when I was during high school. Okay. So Were you I never, in, in Melbourne or? Yeah, been in Melbourne, bit in WA, and I'm originally from Tassie. Oh, well, that explains a lot. Uh, classic. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I skipped. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I didn't, I think because of that, I didn't really have consistent, like, groups of friends sure. to be doing that with so much. I mean, for a bit in BC, I remember I was hanging out with these guys and we listened to a lot of Nirvana and Red Hot Chili Peppers and we'd sort of jam in this guy's garage a little bit. It was awful. It was so bad. But, <laughs> um, but you know, that was, that was probably the extent of that when it came to, like, checking out the same stuff. Like, I ended mm. up getting kind of more into that sort of music I guess because those guys were sort of into that and the yeah. Ramones and um, Dead Kennedys or whatever like some of them were into kind of that sort of thing yeah. and so I'd check out a bit of that but yeah I was mostly sort of like interested in what I was interested in and my brother would suggest stuff like he put me onto Jamiroquai okay you know and I hadn't really checked out Jamiroquai until mid you know teens sort of thing so I was sort of getting into that 
sort of stuff, which is a bit of a gateway, like Jamiroquai. <laughs> some people can be a bit like, oh, Jamiroquai, but like, you know, there's his early, the early stuff. Oh, yeah. There's some, you know, really cool stuff in there. Yeah, and, there's like instrumental jam and stuff. Yeah. And it's all kind of raw. And there's some good, good harmony too. Yeah. Some cool stuff and really good funk grooves and... Yeah, so I was kind of getting really into all that stuff around that time, I think. So, and is that what you were playing on the bass? Yeah, yeah, um, I was learning Duran Duran riffs on the bass. Which... Jos- Josie, the Fez, and yeah, yeah, and stuff, Peg. Yeah. Peg. I got really into Peg. Yeah. I really wanted to learn Josie, but I think it might have been a little bit beyond my skill set at okay. that point in time. And I was doing VC music, so you know, you check out um, the Motown stuff, like the Marvin Gaye. Tunes, so like there's a, like a prescribed list there's of a, stuff yeah, that you yeah. can take from? That's it. So like I was learning what's going on. Cool. That, so, you know, you've got that standing in the show as a Motown book. With yeah, all the, right. Yeah, so had that sort of thing happening. And um, is it Mark King? From Level 42? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. There's this tune called June Tune. I remember yeah. it. Hilarious. <laughs> but so cool. Like really? it's still, I still think it's so cool. Um, but super cheesy. And... Bark, like played a bit of the cello suites and um, yeah, so I was yeah getting kind of a whole mix of different stuff, a little bit of blues, like mm-hmm. walking baseline stuff, yeah, and that sort of thing. But yeah, that was kind of but no real jazz, no jazz, no jazz, no jazz in Claire's life at that point. <laughs> it was jazzless. And then everything changed. Everything changed. Yeah. So two things. I went to I went to like Box Hill first. Yeah. Did like a year there. Because um, I wanted to go to Monash. So you're studying, like, box or studying bass, bass or...? Yeah, I just did, like, a year of bass there. <laughs> Who was your teacher there? I had Neil Kennedy at first. Okay. Um, and then I had Ash Smith. Cool. Yeah. And he was, he's amazing. Like, yeah. Such a groovy cool. guy. And just Going really... to get him on. Yeah, you totally should. He's amazing. Yeah. He's so lovely. And um, that was a funny year because, you know, the teachers would be like, Pat Matheny, Weather Report, like... Talking about all these Mahavishnu orchestra Like stuff. stuff that they thought you would know of. Or they were just talking about it and like I'd just be like, eh, I don't like I don't know what that <laughs> stuff is. I'm just going to go home and listen to Supertramp <laughs> or Stevie Wonder. I got really into Stevie Wonder actually for a while there. Yeah. And, um, yeah. <laughs> and then I remember walking through like a, a shopping centre or something and like seeing the $10 bargain bin at Sanity, back then it was Sanity, this is how long ago that was, and finding like the greatest hits of Weather Report, and I was like, Weather Report, Hmm. that sounds like something I've heard in class, and I'm going, oh, it's 10 bucks here, I'll buy it, and then it sat on my shelf for months and months and months and months, and And then one day I was like, oh god, I really should listen to that, like, what a loser student I was, like, just (laughs) the worst student, really, just not really. Like 10 bucks, that's a lot of paints. I know. Just sitting on your shelf. I know, right? Well, it's one pint, I guess. Yeah. These days. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then, so one day I was like, oh, I guess I'll listen to this thing. Like, what a chore. Put it on. First track was like Birdland. And I was just like, whoa. (laughs) Like, this is the happiest song I've ever heard. (laughs) And also like, this is kind of cool. And then I got really into like Weather Report, Jarko. Stanley Clark, like yep. quite into some of that sort of real fusion. Kind of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like the that fusiony bass playery Chick Corea. Nerdy business. Yeah, a bit of Chick Corea. Yeah. I didn't last long. It was a phase, a yep. fusion phase I went through where I sort of touched the surface of it. Well, I think went, it's wow. just like it opens your your ears as to what's possible. Yeah. You're like, oh wow, this is a thing that people made and people yeah. like and stuff. Totally. Yeah. And it wasn't it actually wasn't like that far removed from some of the stuff I'd heard in yeah. some respects because totally. like yeah some of the stuff that people were writing in mainstream pop like Steely Dan like the harmony and that they use For you sure. know they're all jet like jazz guys or they have a lot of jazz There's influence a lot of slash there chords. a lot of slash chords <laughs> a lot of 13ths and yeah. stuff weird stuff anyway and, a lot of and stuff we don't need to worry about uh, no, no 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 She's left like, of the slash G <laughs> I know G <laughs> What's that one? I don't know that one. That's a, yeah, yeah. it's got sharp on it. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, it wasn't totally f- that far removed from stuff that I'd already spent a lot of time listening to because, yeah, there's definitely like some great instrumental music. Like, even if you think about Elton John, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, like, have you ever checked that album mm-hmm. out? Like, the first track on that album is just epic. It's like this huge instrumental. Yeah, 70s, man. Thing. The 70s, exactly. Jethro Tull, another great band who did some pretty crazy stuff. And so it's like, then you check out Fusion, you're like, oh, this is like the next step yeah. or the next couple of steps over that way. 
And that was sort of a big thing for me. And then, and so I started learning like a bit of, yeah, Jarko. And I got into Victor Wooten for a little while, as we all do at some point or another. Yeah. Went and saw Bella Fleck at the Corner Hotel. Wow. Fangirl the crap out of the front row. Yeah. Just standing at, <laughs> I think one of the things like those guys about like, oh. Vic as well is like, like playing in the flight tone situation when he's just playing bass, just playing grooves. Mm. It's undeniable that he's like an amazing bass. Oh player. yeah, like, totally. And then on top of that, with all the stuff he can do and his teaching and stuff, he's yeah. just like a monster. Totally up there. But yep. same with Marcus and stuff. I, I think as well, like when he's just playing pocket stuff, it's mm. it's up there with you know. I mean, it is some of the best bass playing in the world. Yeah, totally. But then to have that. Soul chops on top. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I went through a bit of a bell flick phase with that, I think. I remember actually, I remember at that gig, um, I was just like, <laughs> literally like, <laughs> hmm? staring at these poor, these guys like shredding them. I was like, <laughs> and at one point, oh yeah, and at one point, Bella looked down at me and he saw me and he smiled at me and I, I smiled back and I was just like, oh, <laughs> hello, that's nice. And then he kept, you know, doing things. This is real life. Yeah, it was weird. And then afterwards, I hung around and they all came out. People, The people who were stragglers sort of came in. Hi, Mr. Witten, can I get a photo with you? <laughs> I went and talked to Baylor and he's like, oh, I saw you up the front and you looked so, you looked so serious. And I thought, I must look so serious. So I thought I'd smile. <laughs> you affected the performance. <laughs> It was just really funny, just strange, yeah, funny, yeah, the way that we react, behave at gigs anyway. So anyway, that's all a bit of a tangent, but um, also the other thing that happened was when I was at TAFE, there was, I had a friend who lent me like a couple of DVDs, there was like a Pat Metheny group DVD and a Dave Matthews, he was really into Dave Matthews, mm -hmm. and a Dave Matthews DVD, and again, they sat on my shelf for months. I was like, oh. You know, that thing, oh, I guess I'll listen to this, I need to give it back. So I put the Pat Metheny DVD on, and I it had the same reaction where I just went, whoa, like, this is really fresh to, mm -hmm. like, not fresh, like, fresh beats, but, like, <laughs> fresh to, like, listen to. Yeah. Like, the sound and the melody and the arranging and everything yeah. just felt so wonderful. And so I got really, really into Pat Metheny uh -huh. for quite a long time okay like that's that was like my gateway all of these things were like gateways into jazz i mm. guess um and then i went to monash and it was just like jazz jazz, 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 jazz. <laughs> you know very very jazz heavy and um yeah yep and was it monash for way too many years and how many years some five or six yeah right yeah just doing part-time on and off trying yeah. to make life happen and is that where you got into upright? Mm, yeah, because a lot of a lot of bass players. When I first started, there were a couple who played double, but a lot of us were electric play, electric bass players. Mm. And um, everyone sort of started converting over to double bass because it just seemed to make sense. I guess it's like, oh, we're playing jazz. We should probably play double bass. Um, so I kind of jumped on that bandwagon a bit. Okay. And oddly enough, like a lot of people don't know me as a double bass player because mm. you never see me. <laughs> doing it um yeah because I got I just got once I got a double bass I did all my lessons on double bass but I kind of never brought it into like performance prac I just was kind of like oh, I'll just do it on electric like I was I'm far more comfortable on electric than double yeah and you know playing it for so much longer I, and... I, I did because I had a double bass for a couple of years mm. and I just sucked on it and mm. it I couldn't get over, I never, I mean, well, I never had any pop lessons on it, so that was probably yeah. a big thing. But it was just really disheartening to to suck again at yeah. something that I was, you know, competent on. Yeah. And then to just not be able to play a basic line in tune consistently without dying. I was like, yeah. and I didn't, I didn't love it enough to push Very through, severe, yeah. you know. I, I did, you know, a bit of a jazz course as well, but I was never like, it's just notes, you know. Mm -hmm. I can play them on... Surely I can play my instrument and the information yep. is the same. Yeah. But there is still that, I guess, that thing surrounding double bass as being the true jazz yeah, instrument. Totally. And it, it definitely does shape what sort of gigs you get called for, I would say. Like, does, it, does it change your... I mean, obviously you have to play differently, but do you find that you play really differently on double bass? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Like, I play less. <laughs> Um, 
and I it actually I think it strengthened my ears and my hands. musicality <laughs> and my hand. Yes, yeah. I have hands of steel. No, um, it, yeah, it strengthened my musicianship because there's no fallback. It's all you need to know where things are and yeah. you need to listen. You need to know shapes some, a little bit like in a more simple sort of way. So, so I felt like, yeah, I felt like when I was learning double bass, it's like I, I sort of moved quicker through certain things okay. than when I was just doing it on electric. Cause with electric, you can kind of just go, oh, you know, you can go into autopilot. And I felt like on double bass, I couldn't. Okay. Go into autopilot that well. So you were enthusiastic about that. I was a little bit enthusiastic. I wasn't. <laughs> not as much as you were as about the recorder. When I, yeah, recorder. Oof, <laughs> the chops. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I think that was that's probably one of the things for me with double is that there have been times where it has felt a little disheartening because it's just felt like such a, a a slog in the beginning to get going. Yeah. But now I find that I find that if you don't play regularly enough. That you need to have there needs to be some maintenance there yeah. like all the instruments but double bass especially because for sure calluses are important yeah like mm. yeah that's one thing and then also just tuning yeah facility as well with this hand like having the stamina and that sort of thing yeah so but i find that i can get back on that wagon a bit quicker the more time that goes by and the more I practice like if I don't practice for a little while yeah. it doesn't take as long to get back into the point I was at previously and I've also spent probably more time playing bow than I have um, walking and pits which so like orchestral stuff or a bit of orchestral stuff yeah, yeah. Um, also just because I I really like doing something a bit different do you know like you do a lot of gigs that on electric that you do sort of similar styles of things or yeah you end up doing a lot of the same sort of stuff right and yeah. getting to bow it's like you get a completely different sound you have to think about a completely different technique it's something that's unique to that instrument yeah totally yeah. um so yeah I, I actually really enjoy learning classical repertoire on the double bass and trying to get better at the bowing technique mm -hmm. and that sort of thing um i think you had lauren yeah. Yes, yeah, I had like a, a couple of lessons oh, with yeah. her while she was in Australia and yeah. she was marvellous. Yeah, totally. So, and that was huge, like having the right lessons with the right people, mm. um, especially on instruments that require specific technique like that. Like I feel like a lot of people with electric can kind of fudge their way for a long time and yeah. then they need to fix some habits up, but you can <clears> get by up to a certain point, whereas yep. with double bass, I think you really need to sort that stuff out. ASAP or you're just kind of going to go nowhere. Sure. Mm. So electric and double are kind of equal for you these days or in terms of what you want to, what you enjoy playing? Where do you feel at home? Turn this off because it's going to... That's bad. Yeah. I don't know. That's a really good question because I go through... I go, I go through phases with mm. things and also... When I was at uni, I felt less like a performer and more like a composer at times too because I spent a lot of time working on mm -hmm. composition. And when I did honours, I did my honours in composition. So sometimes I think more of myself as a composer than a musician and then other times I think more of myself as like a sideman than a band leader and other times. Do you know, like, it depends what's going on at the time and what gigs I have coming up as to what I need to direct my mm. attention to. Like that seems to be shaping my practice a lot more now than when I was at uni or whatever, where it was like, oh, you have a tech exam or you just need to get better or yeah. whatever. Now it's like, okay, well, I have this Practicing gig coming up. Gigs, yeah. I need to make sure I know this material yeah. or I need to make sure my chops are kind of up mm -hmm. for it or yeah. So it's, yeah, really determined by what's going on and that can be a bit seasonal or... Yeah. Mm. Is it, do, you, do you think maybe your the compositional thing has kind of always been there? Like when you were learning piano or whatever it was, were you always kind of like recorder? Were you always like jamming? Were you always coming up with little ideas? Hmm. When I was younger, definitely. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. Like when I was a teenager and I was playing keyboard, I found myself, you know, angsty, depressive teenagers. Um, <laughs> writing songs and 
playing piano and transcribing songs on piano and stuff. And I found that to be like an escape. Like that was like, oh, I, you know, would get caught up in just writing some silly song yeah. with some words and some chords I didn't understand or know. And yeah, Ex- exploration, exporting. Yeah, exactly. Just that yeah. with no purpose or destination in mind. And I think I got I got kind of excited by composition then when I got to uni and I saw other people who were maybe a little bit more advanced than me who were writing stuff that sounded really great or and they had similar influences to me and so I heard that and saw that and was like ooh, I want to I want to do that and that was something I got kind of mm. really enthusiastic about like I was writing a lot mm-hmm. I would say in my last year and a half at uni and then that turned into like a project for the next couple of years afterwards I guess so yeah mm. Um, so did, for your for your honours at uni did you do the surface project which was what came afterwards or did, what did you have to do for that like was it base <clears throat> specific base centric or no it, it was just um, jazz composition <laughs> so it was like do what you want right. off you go <laughs> you know um, so I had composition lessons off Chris Hale that year yeah um, and we checked out a bunch of stuff like, and he, you know, he's just like an encyclopedia of amazing things <laughs> in general. Like he just has so many, yeah, great things to say about yeah. all kinds of topics. And so we checked out a bunch of different stuff and we focused a lot on process, um, which is a pretty important, like we forget to practice composing. We practice playing an instrument, but not practice composing. And I'm not, I'm still not very good at practicing composing. Like mm. I still need to learn to put that inside voice aside sometimes and right. just get on with it. Um, what, what would that entail? So thinking more about it <clears throat> as not being related to you, like, oh, I just wrote this thing and it sucks. It's like, no, it's just a thing. It doesn't matter if you think it sucks. It doesn't matter that you wrote it. Like, what about opposite? I wrote this thing and I think it's the best thing ever. Great, run with it. Off you go. Okay. Yeah. So, but but you never get the good stuff out if you don't write the bad stuff. And you have to go through the process of getting this little chunk out and getting that chunk out and seeing what you can actually do with it, just treating it as like, this is an exercise, this is a piece of material, how can I sculpt this or mm. how can I shape it? What are the permutations? What are the variations? This is an experiment. It's not yeah, like yeah. a reflection on my ability to write a masterpiece. That sort of thing. Um, Sharpening ooh. your composition tools. Yeah, totally. Um, because then you get more done. But the question you asked me... Like practising composing, what would that, like, yeah, yeah. What would that entail? Yeah. So... With him, we'd go through some exercises like talking about using like 12 tone rows. Like we'd write out our phone number and assign a tone to the number and then set a parameter for the rhythmic options for those notes. And then, okay, well, that's cool. Now, how do we, what do we do with it next? Like Mm. maybe there's another phone number and then we've got these two lines and then you use your taste or your aesthetic preference to sort of shape that a little bit and massage it, I think would be the way would describe it like and um catalysts finding catalysts yeah pretty much just like finding an idea yeah. like how can it like randomly generated ideas Instead of just sitting down and going, i'm gonna write something boom that's not really yeah. sometimes like that can last a while like i think i spent a lot of time because yeah i think the question you asked was was my honors project based around mm. the surface project and around that time i was still able to just go plunk Plunk, 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 be like, oh, cool, I've never done that before. I've never done and then after a while, you kind of exhaust that selection of Well, for me, I exhausted. I feel exhausted mm-hmm. with that selection of ideas. Yeah. I need to find new ways to do things better and more interesting to keep me interested and engaged with the, the process. Yeah. So just plonking my hands down now isn't... I've been, I've been trying to do it for a while and it's just not doing it for me, you know, mm-hmm. like to use my ear to guide things and like... I need to have a purpose okay. with the writing. So I generally, actually with everything I've written, I would say that I've gone, hey, I really love that tune by Dave Binney or Ben Wendell or whatever. What's something, What? why do I like it? Like mm. what is it the actual like tangible things that I really like about it? Cool. That's like one element. I'm going to take that. How can I make it my own? How can I apply it to something? Yep. What are the base what is some of the overview what what is the overview of this tune that makes sense to me and like how can I filter that through 
mm-hmm. what I'm doing. And that's how like most of the tunes on that album that I wrote mm. um, have come together. So when I was doing the honors project, it wasn't a, I didn't have to do the surface project as part of it, but we had like a folio every, at the end of each semester. And I would do that exact same thing. It was like, um, so there's like a track off the album, like the last track on the album that we wrote that is a bit different for my folio. I kind of went, cool, I want it to be this arrangement because this band did this arrangement and I think that's really great through form writing or whatever. Mm. And um, then I want this section to be really contrasting this section so rhythmically I'm going to do this and I'm going to reharmonise and da, da, da. So you end up with this kind of... Approaching it more as like a composition yeah, exam. Yeah, yeah exactly. To... Yeah, totally. Sure. And even through doing that, although it sounds a bit like uninspiring and sterile, it's like... I still look back on some of those things, those like experiments mm. I did and go, there's something really cool in here. Like there's some, there's definitely things in there that are like mm-hmm. really useful and um, yeah, that I, I still could probably do something with some of those things, yeah. do you know? Um, so, but before I did honours, that's when I sort of started putting together the surface project. Like okay. I had about six months between the end of my degree in honours and I, in that time was like... I need to do something for myself. Mm-hmm. Like, and also at that point when you finish uni, there's a, a time where it's like, okay, well now no one's telling me what to do. What do I do? And it was kind of like, for me, it was like, do your own thing. Like just go and make your own music because that's what you're into and go from there. Yeah. Cutting your own path again. Totally. Because yeah, it's that thing of like, you don't just want to sit around waiting for the phone to ring. It's not going to ring before you know, uh, you're out of uni. No, exactly. So you just have to do something. <laughs> yeah. Um, and hopefully it's something that you really like. So, yeah. yeah. And I was, yeah, pretty enthusiastic about that. So, so yeah, that, that kept me pretty busy for a while. Yeah? Yeah. Um, and so what, what happened? How, how did that eventually play itself out over time? Yeah. So we did gigs around Melbourne for a year or two, and then we recorded the album in 2015 early two, so I finished on as and I was like album time to do an album so if I haven't been busy enough I need to do an album <laughs> um and it got to that point where we've been playing the material long enough you know you get to a point with it where you're just like oh my god I'm so sick of playing this song of mine that I've written like um, I've yeah. heard this so many times yeah so I recorded the album um in April 2015 spent the year most of the year like well half of the year I suppose like mixing and editing and overdubbing and blah 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 blah, the whole process and then we launched it in November 2015 and that was that was cool because it was like ah good that's like documented that's that situation sort of bookmarked a little bit for sure time for new things um and we were pretty focused on the idea of building an audience and I kind of still am like if you've got your own project like how do you actually make it a viable sustainable thing that can have a life you need audience members so it was like okay well let's try and broaden our audience base and I've never done this before and we've so we booked some shows like we did a show in Brisbane Sydney Melbourne Canberra and Hobart we did Mona and um we did that in April last year okay and then at that point I'd done a whole bunch of stuff like I just been to America for like six weeks and mm-hmm. done a whole bunch of work over there and um, came back straight into the tour <laughs> and then before I knew it like half the year was over and I was exhausted mm. and I was just like need, need to not do this for a while need to let some dust settle and let and also like a lot of the people in the band were finishing up degrees and doing mm. their own stuff as well so it was like they want to go off and do their <clears> own thing <throat> like people want to travel and they want to go yeah. to Banff or they want to you know, go live in a different country or whatever. So we all kind of went like that. And, um, and I think in that period of time, like, you know, end of uni, first year at uni kind of thing, like yeah. first couple of years, like you do a lot of growing. Yeah, totally. Know, personally and musically. Big time. And you have, yeah, yeah. And you get a bit of a, I think your skin needs to thicken a little bit, you know. Yeah. The whole like gig rejection yeah. thing yeah. Um, <laughs> is a... Never ending. No, being, a ba- being a bass player in Melbourne and mm-hmm. <laughs> and there being so many great bass players yeah. in Melbourne as well, yeah. but also so many bands. Like there is enough gigs for everyone, but it's enough gigs, time. enough audience. Yeah. Enough audience for everyone as well, you know. Totally. Like, 
I see gigs and I'm like, oh, I should really go and check that out. And you don't. You don't go and see anything you don't want to go and see. And we're the music lovers. Mm. So if we're not going to see it, you know, yep. who is? Yeah, General totally. Joe Bloggs in the public? Like, I don't know. Well, um, we have got, like, a pretty good arts-loving community in yeah. Melbourne, which, which helps. I mean... I mean, yeah, even in the experience of sort of, like, putting on my own gigs for my own project, like, we definitely ended up with some just non-musician people we didn't even know mm. following us along the way. And That's what you want, Buying our albums. Yeah. And yeah, people, yeah, exactly. And I think you just, I remember talking to um, a musician about this, about the whole, like, I was talking to him about, like, moving to New York, he's from New York. And he's like, yeah, you need, like, you need to spend, like, a lot of time building, a, like, infrastructure around you. So I think of, you know, having your own band running for however long and doing your own projects, especially doing your own projects and also like then becoming a side person Mm -hmm. for other projects is that infrastructure thing. It's like the more I do these things, um, the more I'm building up my body of work and I'm building up my reputation, my ability to do things and I'm constantly developing and growing, learning from the people that I'm working with and that sort of thing and... And I think that doing your own project and building up the audience is kind of part of that. Um, but <laughs> unless you're really lucky and you're in the right scene or um, in a really thriving scene or you've got a manager and a book or whatever, like that can just be like another uphill battle and you just have to be persistent. And I feel like if you if the music is good enough yeah. and you really believe in it, then... Yeah. And, that, you, and you enjoy it. And you enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. You know, that that will... You just but, but you need to put the time in because nothing happens overnight. It's the same, you know, with practice or anything yeah. that we're doing, right? It's like it all just you have to put the time in, or you and you can't just keep going. You can get disheartened, but you need to. It's the picking yourself back up from those moments where you go, "Oh, that wasn't what I wanted," or mm. "I didn't get that gig," or "I didn't." Um, get the audience I wanted, or you're going to have all these setbacks, but you have to keep picking yourself up because the setbacks. I had someone once describe it to me as like a, like a, maybe like a hole or something. And it's like, if you fall in the more things you do, the less. The shallower it gets. Yeah. Something like that. Right. Like yeah. say. Like a groove. Oh, <laughs> it's really depressing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's say it's just a hole. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I think. Yes. Do you reckon your time in America change things. Yeah. <laughs> totally. How could it not? Catalyst be? for hmm. for what? Are you still figuring that out? Still figuring it out, weirdly. Like hmm. so that was really yeah, that was a really intense thing that happened. So yeah, two thousand fifteen was huge because making an album and starting to play with more people, doing lots of gigs, blah 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 blah. You're starting to define Clear across yeah. the musician base, but you're putting yourself out in the world and yep, going. I think I can do this, and yep. what about this? this and is me. hello, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me Which do things tough. with you. I really, I want to play with everyone. Yeah. yeah, it's tough. It is tough. And and as part of that thing, I was like, all right, I need to find all the opportunities I can find. So I was like, you know, on so many websites, I had lists. I had all this stuff. I was very intense, enthusiastic, very enthusiastic, <laughs> intense. I think I've, I, I graduated from enthusiastic right, to intense yeah. in 2015. <laughs> a bit of the, the eye thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just no sleep, just, <laughs> just anxious all the time. Um, but so I applied for a bunch of grants and, um, was like, I want to go get like mentoring. Do you know? Well, cause mentoring like mentoring for me, how do I mentor people? <laughs> how do I get mentors? Mentorship? Um, because like, Everything that I've done, I feel like, has been based on me seeing really successful people do things and me going, how do they do that? Hmm. Okay, I'll try that. And, like, just mashing it all together from all the different people that I've watched do stuff and people that I really respect and look up to. So one of them was like, well, they seem to go overseas and learn off someone, so that seems like a really good idea. Like, that could be really good for me. And so I'd sort of built up um, sort of a bit of a relationship with some guys from a band called Kneebody. Um, and I'd already had like a couple, maybe a lesson or two in a workshop with their trumpet player, Shane Ensley. Who's, had they been out here? They had been to Melbourne, yeah. That's okay. kind of like where I met them right. a couple of years prior. And, and they're just an amazing group of people, just really 
positive, supportive, amazing musicians, like mm. phenomenal musicians. Anyone who knows that band just knows that they're all just yeah. insanely Monsters. good people, good musicians. Mm. Like <clears throat> all of them individually do such incredible things away from that band. And then you bring it all together and it's just like, well, like, this is and a that, powerhouse. And that's what, obviously, you know, it's what a good band is. It's greater than the sum of its parts. Totally. You know, and you need that unique combination of people for it to be something. Yeah, and it's such a unique group. Yeah. Like, unique band, unique sound, unique concepts that they they have going on there. Um, yeah, so so I, I've been in touch with Shane and said, hey, I'd love to come over and you know, have some lessons and let's just, let's do something. I don't, I hadn't, I didn't even have like a super clear idea, but I was like, I think, I think I want to learn off him. And also, cause obviously that band has such a sort of unique concept. I was like, well, maybe I can get some insight into mm. that and learn something from that. And he was amazing. And we, we ended up spending like a week in Denver together where like I, he set up times for me to play with people over there, like where oh, cool. we just hang and play tunes yep. with, with some different people, which was amazing and really great musicians as well. Like, like I was just like, oh my God, <laughs> I am out of my depth. <laughs> this is exactly what I wanted. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, wow, my <laughs> ass really it. hurts from yeah, having yeah. kicked, you know, <laughs> but in like such a lovely way, I never felt like anyone was mean or mm. judgmental. Everyone was just like, yeah, cool, cool. Let's do it. Cool. Um, and he set up like a lesson for me with this piano player. Um, I never say his last name correctly. I think it's Artland or Artlandy. I always say it incorrectly. But anyway, he's like, he's played a lot with Steve Swallow and okay. people like that. In um, When I met him, he was like, oh, do you know Paul Grabowski? Say hi to him. I love him. He's, he's a lovely friend of mine kind of thing. And I'm like, yeah, sure. I don't, okay. you know. <laughs> I know who he is. But... Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, so he's one of those guys who's just like, you walk in and he sums you up in five seconds. He's like a guru, you know, and you're just like, Oh, like he says these things to you and you're just like, how do you know? <laughs> like, but yeah, so I had all these like really great lessons and, and amazing lessons with Shane. We did stuff on like improvising and composing and sight reading. And he set up like a couple of lessons for me to give lessons to like some kids at the, um, like the equivalent of VCAS. So like a secondary school for music students kind of thing over there in, in um, in Denver, Colorado. Yeah, right. So I gave a couple of lessons. That? Oh my God. Like <laughs> gave two lessons and there was this double bass player, this kid, and he was whew, pretty good. He was pretty good. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, um, <laughs> so you're better at your instrument than I am. <laughs> um, but no, it wasn't. And that was a great learning experience as well. You know, like a teacher with a teacher, with a student who's, so that was really weird, you know, and, and I remember it was just this thing of like, okay, well, what can I find for you to work on that you clearly haven't worked on? I'm like, you play a lot of notes. Mm. Let's play less notes, you know, like whatever. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I got to have all these lessons and I hooked up a few of my own lessons in New York. Like I had a lesson with Wayne Kranz, which was incredible. Wow. You know, so I've got all these lessons that I'm still transcribing. Like yeah. I'm still taking notes from and coming back to them. Did like, you take like an audio recorder or just record yeah, on the yeah, phone? Yeah, yeah, just record it on the phone and um, just have them on my laptop. And so if I'm like, oh, I don't know what to practice to, I'm like, <laughs> I can go and find out really yeah. quickly because those guys are very honest in a really loving way, like sure. really wonderful way. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I'm always going back to those lessons, even now, just going, oh my God, I have years. Yeah. We all do, but... Yeah. Just, I've got so much stuff here already. I just need to deal with some of this. Yeah. And, um, and then I went on the road with Nebody because they were doing a tour with, um, Daedalus, who's like an electronic mm, yeah. artist. Um, and they'd just done an album with him, which is an incredible album. It's called Needless, I think. And it's just, it's so cool. Like, I, that's one of my favorite albums I'm listening to at the moment still. Better than Dad Body. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Dad Body. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, yeah, and I got, so I got to hang out with them for the week. Like, we went to, we did a lot of, um, they were doing a lot of shows on the West Coast. So we went to like LA and um, San Francisco, San Diego. Mm, all Portland, the, all Portland, the Portland yeah, cool. Uh, Eugene, 
and anyway so i was kind of just helping them out like yeah seeing what it's like for a band like that hanging that out on the road thing. yeah just like yeah. having the experience without the stress of actually having to play music <laughs> and be good yeah um yes yeah, so i'd help them out with like selling merchandise and yeah, cool. just generally you know kicking around and mm. hanging out um and that was that was amazing like just again, amazing people to spend time yeah. with. Yeah, and were they like inspired were by they like packing out places? Were they? I mean, yeah. was, it a, was it like success? Yeah, I think so. Like, yeah. I mean, that's always the thing that you don't think about. It's like things always look really great on the outside, and then yeah. on the inside, you don't know what's going on. It's like that's I don't, it, yeah. you don't know what the financial situation is for a band. You don't know all those things, um, and I don't know what this situation was for them. But like from an outside perspective, I would say like nearly every show I went to, it was like the crowd was great. Um, the rooms were really, really like some rooms were so full, you know, and yep. it's like to see a band that was really inspiring to see a band playing like instrumental music, mm. packing out just pubs or yeah. these venues and <clears throat> people just getting so into it. Like, cause they're quite passionate performers. I think. Oh be, yeah. You know, totally. And like it, every show, that was the other thing, like every single show, didn't matter what had happened that day, they were just like 200%, you yeah. know, like, and I think, yeah, like where they get that energy from, it's just like top top of the range players, you know, mm. with, yeah, so much passion. Yeah. That was, that was hugely inspiring. That thing was like, doesn't matter what's happened, get on your game, give it, give it all of your heart, mm. all of your love and put on a show for these people and. Yeah, because I think that's also what awesome. a lot of the the jazz scene is maybe missing as well as a little bit of fire, fire, and maybe honesty that people can connect mm. with when they see somebody performing on stage. Sure, they want you're going to see a gig. You know, people want to to see the thing happening. Yeah, totally. And I think they want not, to see them enjoying. The, yeah, not just in the jazz scene, but just performances in general. I think. Yeah. You know, it has to be some kind of. Bela Fleck looking at that girl in the front row who's having a Ugh. serious face and you know that that kind of thing that yeah. a lot of the time we forget about, especially as bass players, because we can just be in the back. Yep. You know, you know, and just zone out and get away with totally, it. Totally. Yep. And leave the person at the front to do it, which is which is really bad, you know. Yep. Yeah. No. The. I think there's like something really infectious about seeing the people on the stage getting into it, mm. like genuinely just loving being on that totally. stage with each other. Because it gives you, gets you privilege to do it as well. Yeah. Because like, if, you, if you're watching somebody and they're kind of like, you know, Off it makes you, it can, that it can deliver that energy to the audience. We're like, okay, well, this is something I should be thinking about or serious about. Whereas yep. if, and there's obviously times and places for that, but yeah, totally. You know, that has to be a bit of a release. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, I think as, um, students going through like jazz school and then going on to do your own gigs, like I definitely experienced it where it's like, you're so focused on like, am I playing the right notes? Am I, yeah. you know, doing the right thing that you forget a bit about the whole stagecraft mm. aspect of it too. Yeah. Um, and then I realized, and I'm still realizing that every gig I've gone to that makes me go, hell yeah, is like the ones where. Yeah, the players are just like mm, getting into it, giving it all their yeah. attitude. And um, it's funny because when I had a lesson, I think it was with, with Wayne Krantz, he sort of said to me, I don't know what you're like when you're playing with people and not just in a lesson, but I want to hear your attitude. Like, I want to hear your heart coming through because, like, I want to hear all those gritty sounds that you make when you're digging in and mm. doing that stuff. Like, you know, it doesn't matter if you're practising or if you're doing the gig you I want to hear your hear voice. you hear your voice and you know art said the same thing to me he's like you know you're listening a lot mm -hmm. but you need to be part of the conversation mm -hmm. um, and they were both really interesting observations do you know yeah. and I just went yep yep like maybe it's a confidence thing or or what you know yeah yep. so you take all that back here surface project goes in hiatus yeah 2017 this year now we're through yeah you know, nearly the end of 2017 yeah been... what's on the cards for you now well so this year's been actually in some ways last year was great but this year's been really good for me feeling like i'm building that infrastructure at home a bit because um i've been doing some really wonderful gigs that i think will 
create like future opportunities for people in the future like this project called the Spire Ensemble which we did our debut gig at Hamer Hall (laughs) (laughs) under the name Stand By Your Woman and um, that was kind of like a project put together by Zanny Kolak who's this amazing person and um, incredible contemporary violinist, electric violin player in Melbourne um, and the idea was just like oh we never see we always see all dudes in bands but we never see like all women in bands so here's a 14 piece band of all women and we're going to play with Kate Sobrano and Tex okay. Perkins and Tim Rogers so it was a lot more like rock pop mm-hmm. sort of stuff um, so we put together this huge concert um, at Hamer Hall and did that and then we just a couple of weeks ago before I got sick we did um, Live and Local down in St Kilda and we got to play with like Simon Burke from The Meltdown and Tando, so, so some really amazing like local mm. artists, Benny Walker, people like that. And we did the same sort of idea there. And we all, um, you know, a lot of us chipped in and did arranging for it and um, put a couple of our own pieces in there and stuff. Cool. And so we're still sort of, we're, I think we've got a gig coming up. I don't know if it's been announced, so maybe I can't say, but we have got a gig coming up yeah. in December and we're sort of working on Future. So it's good to be part of something yeah. like big and progressive, but you're not necessarily at the helm of it. Yeah, it's a bit of a, for a couple of people, I feel like it's a bit of a, um, we all contribute a bit yeah. because it's a big undertaking. Like, and Zanny said yeah. afterwards, she's like, I can't believe I just <clears throat> did that. Like I just did this show at Hamer Hall with all these artists and I had to literally organize everything, like all the charts, like the yeah. whole thing. And so it was like, okay, well, let's let's all band together and, like, make this happen so that it's reasonable and sustainable. Yeah. Um, and it feels really good to be a part of, like, I've really enjoyed lately being a part of something where it's like I can have some input and a bit of contribution but not exactly. necessarily have to drive the whole ship. Like, a few of us come together and go, let's do this, yeah. like the Yo yeah. program and, yeah. and stuff, like more collaborative things but not even necessarily creatively collaborative, collaborative because... <laughs> Because <laughs> um, the service project was, was, and still is, pretty collaborative. Like, I'm like, come on, bring your own originals in. Let's mm. just play each other's tunes and let's make this our thing. But at the same time, you need someone really firmly, like, going, yes. this is going to happen, this is going to happen, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And managing that is really difficult, like, making sure that you get that right. Being a band leader is really hard and um, keeping everyone happy and making sure everyone still loves each other and, <laughs> like... Making sure everyone's needs are met and that you're doing the best job. Like, that's really, really challenging. So it's been nice learning from that and now also going on and working alongside people who mm. were kind of, we're all kind of doing the same thing. But, yeah, yeah so that's been really cool. And um, and I've got, like, I've been offered a few gigs. Like, I'm going to be playing with Fia, who's, like, this sort of electronic pop artist a bit. She's awesome. Fia? Fia? P-H-I-A. Oh. Like Sophia, her okay. name is Sophia, and right. her project is called Fia. So I've done a little bit of work with her and mm. um, booked a few more things for later in the year, which will be really cool. Like a is that like a full band thing? Or? Yeah, so um, Lockie O'Kane is like the drummer and um, her partner Josh is the guitarist. Um, she's just put out like a single mm-hmm. and it's, it's called Oxide and it's just so banging. Like I think Nick Lamb might have produced it okay. from Triceratops. Yeah, cool. So anyway, be doing a bit of stuff with her and another band I'm in, the outdoor type, we've got some stuff booked and hopefully maybe a... Is that upright stuff? No, that's all Australiana pop rock and I get cool. to sing as well. You sing? I sing. Wow. Yep. Um, so hopefully... Like bit lead? Of... No, but I think this... Eventually. It's kind of slipping in there a little bit every now and then. <laughs> Cool. Um, maybe an international tour next year, depending on what happens. So, a few things on the nice. cards. Yeah, like yeah. I've already got, I've already bought my 2018 diary because I'm just like, oh, I'm going to forget <laughs> all these things. So you got like good, varied, original projects that yeah. you are like an integral part of. Yeah. But you're not, like you say, having to drive the bus all the time. Yeah, exactly. Which because is, which oh, means you can do three or four of these things. Totally. Without feeling like all the pressure and stress yeah. and. But at the same time, yeah, I haven't really written much music lately for last year and yeah. I think I need to get back on that. And well, maybe, maybe all these things will feed into it and yes. something new will... Totally. I've already yeah. got a few ideas. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see what happens. And the, the Yobo? 
YOLO, yeah. So that's that's funny, that whole thing we were talking about, like building infrastructure and a lot of a lot of opportunities have come to me because I started YOLO with Lena. Um, like and YOLO is... YOLO is... For people who might not know. No, that's all right. So YOLO is um, a music program for girls in high school. Yeah. So it's independently run and we pretty much get girls to come in and audition who are all gender non-conforming people to come in and audition who are already playing instrument or sing and we put them in ensembles yep. and mentor them and direct them pretty cool. much so that they do a gig at the end of each semester and we do like artist workshops as well where we get like a special guest in to sit with them for two hours and talk or play or do whatever yep. like um, and we did an EP with them of all their original music last year which was just amazing like yeah all the people all the participants we've got are just they're enthusiastic like they're yeah. just so keen to be there and yeah it's been such a rewarding program we've been running it for over two years now and yeah it's just, it never stops being like good we're doing we should definitely be doing awesome. this yeah yeah and, like, like we were talking about in the car you know like the music support for people in schools is not no what it should be no. I don't think, you know. Absolutely. I mean, not much has changed since I was at school, which is like, you know, 20, 20 years ago. And it was like, you get instrumental lessons if you're lucky, and then yeah. you lift your own devices, or there's the, the wind band, the concert band thing. Yeah, totally. You know, okay, what if that's not... My bad. Yeah, what, you know. Totally. And, and still seems like that's kind of the same today. Mm -hmm. Or there are people doing it, but it's like, you know, if it wasn't for you guys coming in and doing that as an extra, then, you know, they wouldn't be part of the, the arts curriculum within schools. You know, it's always totally. like an extra thing. It's mm. always like out with school or a special yeah. thing as opposed to this is normal. Yeah, exactly. For, for music. It really does depend on the school that you go to because some mm. programs are incredible. Like some schools have just such thriving music programs yeah. and others less so. But we we kind of felt that, I mean, even going through tertiary level music education myself like I think I might still be only the only woman to go through Monash on bass in the jazz program if not there might have been one other but I literally cannot think of another woman who's done the bass like done yep. bass doing the jazz program and it's like you know, you're generally quite a um noticeable minority at that point where it's yeah. like okay well most of the women are probably vocalists there may be a couple of instrumentalists but we're Piano. usually yeah or saxophone drums yeah. but rarely guitar rarely bass yeah. well i know it's different like at vci i know there's quite a few female bass players who have gone through that mm -hmm. but yeah and so and if that's your experience of education and adult level we were like why is this kind of happening mm. like this is why are women dropping off when it comes to getting into like yeah. improvisation and jazz and so yeah so we kind of started YoYo to sort of give young people a safe and supportive space to because I think girls can be a bit shy and they can be scared of taking risks um, and especially when you've got a lot of boys around who are just a bit um boys they, boys can be a bit uh yeah what's the word enthusiastic <laughs> Um, and can sort of overshadow girls sometimes if they're not careful, if the girls aren't particularly sure. outgoing or whatever. And so, um, and all of our, I think all of our participants have at one point or another been like, you know, this has been really good for me because I actually feel like I can come in here and just do my thing and not feel intimidated. Yeah. Um, Which and if boys kind of generally they, feel like. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. All the time. And so giving them that space so that maybe they can build up their confidence um, their skills as well so that when they walk into a situation they can go I'm all over this like yeah I don't need to worry about you or yeah. you can talk down to me but I know what Taking I'm doing the um the musical equation question out of the equation totally and then it's just on a par hopefully. yeah exactly um yeah. yeah so they can just walk into situations and be like I'm the boss of this situation mm. and then and then it's that thing of the more risks you take the more confidence you build to take more risks and if you never start building that you never get to that point so hopefully if they are in an environment where they feel safe to do those things their confidence will build, 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 build. before you know it, they're, they're off doing just all all kinds of great mm. things you know and and I mean we notice that when when they do like the performances at the end of semester especially the first time 
they're doing the program, very nervous and very excited, do the performance and it's like phew, confidence <laughs> levels just go phew, like yeah. it's it's noticeable. Like yeah. you can see it in them, the way that they perform the next semester if they come back or yeah. the things they've done. Like some of the girls have been with us since the very beginning almost and their progression has just been Ooh. remarkable, like complete. Yeah, day and night between the moment they first walked in for audition and yeah. now where they're at now. And also, because we're in the scene, we're like, hey, have you checked this band out? Why don't you go to this gig, you know, when you can? Or here's an opportunity. Like, mm. have you thought of applying for this mentorship? Or like, because we're all in the, the network mm-hmm. and stuff, we're kind of like a nice conduit or a nice facilitator for that. So yeah. when they have questions, they come to us and they say, hey, how do I get like, I have work experience. Like, I want to go and try a radio station we're like yep yeah, cool go to this person or go to this website or whatever yeah. you know and it's and that's how we're going to get more of them into the scene and then and then it will be normal to be a woman playing bass and not like a, <laughs> a novelty and then we don't need to have an all-woman band because it'll just be normal because you never yeah. see an all-guy band As where you go yeah it's like oh look it's all men <laughs> i'm gonna start one called stand by your man yeah because okay. <laughs> yeah, like uh, there are some like female like oriented programs like women's jazz fest or whatever where you might have like front women mm. but a lot of the time you do have an old guy Back band here. i mean and my band was the same it was like all my friends yeah. who were guys um, <laughs> because you were mostly from the course right? yeah just because they're mates from uni yeah, yeah. not because i was like girls mm, suck <laughs> you know it was like these are my mates so i'm gonna play them but but if there's not enough women going through the course you don't make friends with women and therefore, you're not going to book them because they're your friend because they don't exist. So, mm. yeah, it's just we just want to normalise it so that it's not a yeah a token thing or it's not yeah. a weird thing. Has it been a weird thing for you? Have you found? I've had a lot of <laughs> I've had a lot of experiences over the years. <laughs> like I've had sound guys come. This was years and years and years ago when I was much younger. But you know, sound guys get right up in your face and be like, "Oh, so you're just here to be pretty?" It's like, no, actually, I'm here to do my job. You know, wow. just stuff like that and it's like right, are you here to be ugly yeah exactly because you're not very good at being a sound guy it's <laughs> very rude but he wasn't um yeah just stuff like that and and also yeah you always have that question looming over you of like when someone books you and they go oh it'd be really great to have a girl in the band you're like yeah but i want you to book me because you people like my that. bass playing yeah some people have said yeah. that and it's not that they mean anything by it like yeah. i'm sure they wouldn't book me if i was a terrible musician yeah but it's just more like Lately, actually, most I've had one or two people who have booked me and said, oh, I just think you'd be great for this. Like, you're, I really loved your bass playing on this thing. And I was like, oh, that is, like, what we are all aiming for. Exactly, we want yeah. people to play on this because they just like what we do. Yeah. Um, and so separating your identity as being a woman from that thing mm. is kind of nice. It's like, it doesn't matter if I, if I was a dude, would you say, you know, oh, it's so great to have a boy in band. Like, yeah, it's just we just want it to be, I think, even playing field so that, yeah. We can just walk into a situation and not feel like we're and, questioning and, why and like we're there. And like you say, we need, there needs to be more, we need to see more yeah, totally. women on stage <clears> totally. and stuff. Yep. Because there's also a thing that can happen sometimes. I don't feel like I deal with it as much now, but when I was much younger, where you feel like you need to be 10 times better than an average musician, male musician to get even considered. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of shit because it's like there's a lot of average male musicians out there. Yeah. And I'm sure there would be a lot of average female musicians out there if there were even any yeah. to begin with, you yeah. know. So it's like it would be nice just to have that, yeah, across the board and and see more, yeah, just see more sort of diverse lineups where it's like not just like all dudes or one girl, but maybe it's 50-50 or something. And it's because they're great musicians. Mm. Or, yeah, that's yeah. that's the dream really. And that's, yeah, that's the thing for me. It's like I just want to be taken seriously as a musician Really? That's all. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. That was awesome. That was really interesting. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to... Do you have like a website? Do you have like if people want to book um, you? If people want to find out about your music? Yeah, so... Wanna, or I have Facebook pages. Yeah, yeah, I've got so many websites now that I think about it. <laughs> so you can go on Facebook and you can look up Yowo Music or mm. we have a website which is yowomusic.com. Um, the Surface Project has a Facebook page, which I think is um, facebook.com forward slash Surface Music Melbourne. I feel like that's what mm. it is because there's a lot of the Surface this or Surface Project that or yeah. Surface technology. 
So right. that one can get a bit lost sometimes. But I think it's Surface Music Melbourne. And we're on Bandcamp too. If you look yeah. up the, you know, sur- the Surface Project Melbourne, you'll find us. Yeah, so the, the album's on Bandcamp. Uh, and I've got a lot of copies of it under my stairs. So if anyone wants to buy it, <laughs> please help me get rid of them. I'll even take $5 off if I wow. have to. Um, and Spire Ensemble, we've just, we're just starting up like with the social media and stuff now, but mm-hmm. we've got a, a, web, a Facebook page as well, which is just Spire, the Spire Ensemble. And if there's a photo of a lot of women standing there on stage, that's us. That's the one? Yeah, because I think there's also like a Spire Chamber Ensemble. And okay. that's, that's not us. Right. We yeah. are not that. Uh, and I think that's, pro- I'm on Instagram, actually, yeah. So if anyone wants to like check out any, <laughs> I'm not like, I don't have like a Claire Cross base page. <laughs> just don't think I'm quite up to that yet but I have got Instagram so if anyone wants to contact me you can contact me through there and yeah I will not I will probably happily give out my email on there but maybe not on a video sure yeah of course. awesome <laughs> well, actually no I think I just set up an email address I've got so many accounts I just set up an email address clairecrossbase at gmail.com boom there you go there you go easy right. peasy so all your requests oh my god awesome Thanks, awesome. Appreciate thanks it. for having me, yeah, Gray. That was, was wonderful. Yeah. Guys, thanks for watching and thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Cool. Sure.